Wow, 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 wow. You guys can sit down, sit down, sit down. It's okay. I'm not a guest. You guys are special. Truthfully, it's special to be in your guys' presence because y'all look good tonight. Slap your neighbor and say, wow, you look good. Hey, a couple quick things before we dive in. Uh, again, super glad to be here with you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, I, uh, I love pastors, and I have another pastor friend in the house tonight. His name is Reuben, and he pastors at Hope City Church. Where are you, Reuben? Over here. Everybody say, what's up, Reuben? He's a legend, and I just want to honor him as he's drove down all the way just for a little personal retreat day, and we just want to welcome here as family. So welcome, Reuben. Hey, wow, it is our last week of Romans. Has anybody enjoyed the season in Romans? Wow, we did it. You made it. We actually studied through an entire book. And our hope and prayer as we conclude this season of springtime, we pray that this would allow you to have a new season of growth that the word, the study of the word will be fertilizer to your heart and soul that can infuse you with new ideas, passions, and visions. So that is our hope. So as we conclude, I love the way that the Apostle Paul ends this masterpiece in Romans chapter 16. So if you got your Bibles, why don't you turn there to Romans chapter 16. And before we, before we really get into the main text that we're going to study tonight out of this chapter, what I, what I want to just take notice of is one thing that Paul does. Now, if you've read Romans chapter 16, what he does, he does, is he, he does a little bit of honoring. He's, he's like, you know, the typical Grammy Award winner that he's like, ha, I'd like to thank Jesus Christ, Jehovah God Almighty. I'd like to thank my mama, my producer. Like he, he goes down the list and he thanks some people. And we're not going to camp here, as I said, but, before, but we want to take a look at this because I believe there's two principles that you can learn from Paul, what he's doing in honoring the people around him. The first being... He didn't get anywhere without help. The second being, he even remembers the little guy or the people that would most commonly be overlooked that helped him. Now, why is this important? It is important because Paul, by this time in his writing, he was a big shot apostle. He could have been the guy that would have been like, yeah, you know, taking all the credit. He could have been conceited or, you know, given the humble brag, like, I like to thank God, but really they're just trying to point themselves, point at themselves and be like, hey, check me out. I'm a self-made person. I'm a, I'm a successful man. But he doesn't do that. He honors. He remembers. He tells the story of significant saints in his life that had helped him and the churches flourish. And this is important for us to take notice because in order to apply these principles to our lives, we want to apply them because of this one reason. Here's the reason. The greatest victories are won by a team. And the battle that you and I are in, we as a family in, it can only be won by a team. And you see, a problem in our society is that there are people around you now. Here's my, just my hunch. There are people around you now that because of our individualistic society, we won't ask or accept help. How many people hate asking for help? Me. Yeah, lots. 
Now, now, obviously, Allison, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is maybe some of her reasons, probably not any of her reasons is this, but I, I know a lot of people that don't want to ask for help because they're too prideful, they're too lazy, maybe they're a little insecure because they think if they ask for help, somebody will do it better than them. Maybe they're afraid or they're too worried that they'll owe somebody something if they ask for help. But on the other end of the spectrum, I, there's a, a few more reasons why I think people don't ask for help. And, and, and one of them is, is they're afraid that they're going to become a mooch. Nobody likes mooches, amen? No, so my encouragement with these two principles is obviously don't be a leech, carry your own weight, but don't be afraid to accept or ask for help because the strongest people I know, including the Apostle Paul, asked for help in times he was just simply out of his depth. Like the time that he was first coming into his, his calling as an apostle, he needed Ananias to anoint him and pray for him and lead him to Jesus. He needed Barnabas, which means encourager, to encourage him. Man, he knows that he needed help, and he's one of the greatest leaders our world has ever seen. And secondly, the best leaders I know involve people around them. They empower people around them because they want them to be a part of the story. Because leaders that win, they have help. And when they win, they honor people because they had help. So when you're a leader, remember to involve and empower people. Celebrate them. And if you take the credit, that is your reward right there. That's all you get. So try to just give other people the credit. All right? Sound good? Easy, simple principle? Okay, all right, enough on that. Let's get to the main portion of our text. And remember again, the context of this last chapter is the Apostle Paul is writing his final words to the church in Rome. So they carry a little bit of weight to it. He could have done a lot of things, but he says a few things, and I want to study from Romans chapter 16, verses 17 to 20. And it'll be up on the screen, and it says this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out. For those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned, keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise at what is good and innocent about what is evil. And then the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Thank you for the one church kid that grew up in church. That's all right. They knew it. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight. And God, we pray that as we close this season at Tehillah, that we could learn, grow, flourish, and thrive in the next season that you have us to be a part of God. So God, I pray for blessing over every single person. God, I pray you would pour out your spirit tonight. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to come and open our hearts, open our minds, and open our, our, our every aspect of us to you because we want nothing else but you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So have you ever met a divisive person? A couple of people. Have, have, you, have you ever, have you ever, met a person that in any given conversation, whether you like it or not, they will pick a side. Either having whatever topic it is, a predetermined idea of what they're going to say, or on the spot, they'll come up with an idea just because they like to be on a side. Have you ever met anybody like that? 
Like, no matter what, they got an opinion on everything. Could be sports, could be a person, could be a topic, could be a celebrity, a politician, a pastor or a leader, a theology or methodology or whatever it is, they have an opinion on it. Do you have friends like that? Yep, you got friends like that. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, that's my mom. Her name's Becky. She's super annoying. She's got a thought on everything. Even my socks that I wear, she's like, those are not matching. What is wrong with you? She's got an opinion on everything. It drives me crazy. Of course, we have friends like this. And seriously, we all got friends like this. I have a friend like that. She is the smartest person I know. She's thought about everything, let me tell you. She can recite by memory millions of details. She can formulate an opinion on both sides of every single coin. She can back me up and tear me down all in one moment. She is the most divisive women I have ever met in my life. And Karina's probably thinking like, man, who is this? Is he talking about me right now? Not talking about you, babe. Don't worry. But I, this woman, I, man, as divisive as she is, I can't help but go to her because she knows all the answers to all of life's questions because she's so dang smart. So you're probably wondering, man, who is this lady? I got to know this lady. She's that smart. I gotta know her. Well, you do know her. You know her really well. My hunch is you are well acquainted with her. Her name is Internet. Her name is iPhone. Her name is Siri. Alexa. What's the other one? Google. Her name is Technology. She's beautiful. She's marvelous. But she's also dangerous, good at seducing, smooth talking, and great at deceiving naive people, especially the ones late at night dreaming of a better life where they could be happier. And then she reads whatever search bar you, whatever you typed in on the search bar. And then all of a sudden you got these like Bowflex or shake weight abs coming up. And you're like, this infomercial comes on and it's telling you about how you could be ripped in six weeks. If you just sign up and pay $69.99 for four weeks payments on whatever MasterCard or Visa you have. The internet, man, it knows your thoughts. She's got an opinion on everything. And by now you're probably wondering, thank you, Allison. By now you're probably wondering, James, what, what, what does this have to do with this passage? I thought Paul was talking about like false prophets or bad teachers or like people who gossip or or, or, or whatever, or, or the literal people who try to persuade people out of the church or faith or God. Yeah, and yes, he's talking about that for sure, and we'll cover that. But I'm convinced if the Apostle Paul was writing Romans all over again in the 21st century, he would insert beside people technology. And I want to talk about technology tonight because I'm not saying that we don't have false teachers, false prophets, false whatever. I'm not trying to hone in on that. But I want to talk about technology because it is so relevant to us. Because whether you know it or not, your life with God has been shaped by the world wide web. For better and for worse. Not just your life with God, but your entire lifestyle. Your habits, your dreams, your finances, your desires, your theology, your belief system, your entire future has been shaped by theology, whether you know it. I mean, technology and theology, hopefully. 
technology, whether you know it or not. So you're probably thinking, man, well, man is James going to tell me to get rid of that LTE? Do I got to go back to 3G? Do I got to get? Do I got to get a dumb phone? Do I got to get a flip phone? Like, is, is he going to start this radical movement from Tehila that we're going to burn all our tablets and phones and computers and desktops? And you probably don't have a desktop unless you're a hardcore gamer. But are, you're probably thinking, are you are you going to do that, James? I got good news. I'm not going to do that. You can calm down. I'm not going to preach how technology or the internet is evil. And you say in your mind, thank you, Jesus. Wow, God. Sigh of relief comes over you. I love my phone. I love the internet. Don't worry. Technology in and of itself is amoral, meaning it's neither good or bad. But with good news, usually there's always some bad news. And here comes the bad news. Because technology can be either very good or very bad, depending on whose hands it is in. And typically when it comes to media in our generation, millennials and Gen Zs, media, technology, television, smartphones, let's just be honest, it usually ends up being something bad and divisive in our hands. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how the internet and technology currently has the greatest threat towards your life with God, your relationship with God. It has a great threat to separate you, to to fool you out of what you have learned through this passage, through this text, through this Bible, and whatever the Apostle Paul has taught us in Romans. It has potential to divide you from a healthy Christian community, from holistic discipleship to Jesus, from peace, contentment, and true joy, as well as from God altogether. It has the potential to divide you. It has that power. Technology, whether we want to admit it or not, has the power to sweet-talk us away from everything that really matters at the end of the day. It has that power, but only if we don't handle it with care, awareness, and intentionality. See, I can't stress how real this issue is, and I'll tell some personal stories, and and we'll we'll pull the, the crowd in a moment. Because this is so real, let's just be honest. How much our phones can drag us away from God. And if we don't talk about it, and the reason why I want to talk about it at Tehila, a gathering of 30 to 40 different churches, because y'all are leaders at your churches. And if you could go back and set a different example of what it looks like to live as a holistic Christian. And again, I'm not saying you need to burn your iPhone, but what it, what it actually looks like, because we're going to get into it. We're going to dive into some of the things that technology does to us. And maybe you're still sitting there thinking like, really, man, you're really going to talk about this? You're really going to preach against technology? No, I'm not. Again, I'm not against technology. I'm just against its unchecked use as it pertains to your and my life. Because currently, other than the iPhone app, the screen time app, nobody else is checking in on you how much time you spend on your phone. Nobody else is checking up on you, keeping you accountable to your addiction to media, smartphone, or technology. And I really believe, and why I'm talking about it tonight, that if the church doesn't start talking about this, we're going to be in deep trouble. We're going to be what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 12, conforming to the world not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So let's do a little survey in this room. By a showing of hands, and let's value honesty without judgment here, because you might see a lot of hands go up. 
I just want to catch a little bit of a glimpse of, of how real this is to this environment. So, how many of you use some sort of technology, whether that be a smartphone, a computer, a TV, or music streaming platforms, on an average of one to two, three hours a day? One to three hours a day. How many people in here? All right, all right, all right. All of us. How many people in here, on an average, use it three to five hours a day? Okay, a little bit less. How many people in here use it five to seven hours? Seven to nine hours? Nine to 10 hours, anybody? All those people that work on a computer said, yeah, I do that. Okay, well all of you didn't put your hand up are liars for nine to 10 hours because studies show that the average North American spends 10 to 11 hours on some sort of technology. I'm not saying you're liars, I'm just kidding, but, but you're just maybe not that honest or vulnerable. <laughs> 10 to 11 hours, that's half the day for crying out loud. And just think about it, let's just take a little bit of inventory. What do you do the first thing you do when you wake up? Check your phone. Okay, the one good Christian out here says read your Bible, whatever bro. You can leave man, I'm just kidding. We check our phone, what do we do before we go to bed at night? We check our phone. What do we do in the car? We listen to music. We stream music on Apple Music or Spotify. Apple Music is way better. They pay their musicians. Spotify is a ripoff. You don't want Spotify. Just kidding. Um, okay, I got some claps. All right, all right. What, what do we do when we get to work? We probably, or school, we probably open up a laptop. What do we do when we get home? Oh, we probably op turn on the TV, see what's on the news, see what's going on down on TMZ. Like, like, we check out a one American Idol or something like that, or Survivor, or whatever dumb show my wife watches. You know, like, I'm just kidding, they're not dumb shows. Um, and we, yeah, we should go Raptors, go! How oh, somebody! That's not evil, that's godly, somebody. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, Allison. That's my girl right there, what's up? Like, think about it, honestly. You probably spend upwards of 10 to 11, 12 hours, half your day on some sort of technology. Okay, next question. Yes or no answer with your hand. How many people feel like you have more time in the day because of how efficient technology has made you? Okay, I thought way more hands was gonna go up about that because a car is technology. I use a car, you know, the train, like. Okay, so nobody in here thinks they're more efficient? Okay, okay, a follow-up question on that. How many people feel like they don't have enough time in the day? All of us. How many people feel like they're always in a hurry or in a rush? All of us. All right, it's gonna keep going. And remember, no judgment, just honesty. How many people in here, when they can't find their phone or it's about to die, have some sort of anxiety? How many people in here struggle with comparison because they look into people's lives via social media? A little quieter, not as much laughing. It's like, ooh, ouch. Okay, how many people in here have been called out by a friend or family member for not paying attention to them while you're talking to them? Okay. How many of us feel it's difficult to start or hold a conversation with a human being in front of you? Okay, some of us are good, some of us are bad, it's all right. Most of us are good. Okay, all right, you'll definitely relate to this one. How many of us have ever felt like we are wasting our lives after we binge watch a show on Netflix? Somebody! Okay, here's another one, real one, real one. How many of us have experienced loneliness even though we can connect 24-7 with anybody in the world? We're the most connected yet most lonely world. 
All right, even more real. How many of us wish we had a deeper relationship with God, friends, and family? How many of us feel more disconnected from God than connected to him when we pray and our phones are present? Repeat the question. I'll say it again. It's too real for her, you know. How many of us feel more disconnected from God than connected to him when we pray, when our phones are present? Like your phone's like in another room, you're like, oh man, I'm just receiving from the Lord right now. Your phone's beside you, you're like, I can't focus. All right, last question. Does anyone want to win a chance? To, does anyone have a chance? Bleh, I definitely. Does anyone want to win an iPhone by filling out a survey? One person? Nobody in here? Does anybody? Okay, I'm just kidding. We don't have money for that, but. I just hate that aspect of technology. You know, you get that random call. I just wanted to mention that. It's like, you have been selected for an all-inclusive trip to Mexico. And, and I'm like, don't get my hopes up. You know how much daddy could get a trip to Mexico. Like, like I, hate, I hate it when that thing calls. I hate technology. I'm just kidding. So now, again, no judgment for answering any of those questions with honesty because I'll be the first person to admit I put my hand up for all of them. I'll be the first person to admit that I spend more time scrolling Instagram or reading about sports than spending time with God. That I spend more time watching TV than I do reading my Bible and praying. I'll be the first person to admit that the things I think about most oftentimes are material possessions, cares, and worries of the world, which really just are meaningless things. Man, I'll, I'll be the first person to admit that my relationships have been affected by my smartphone, even down to the relationship with my one-year-old daughter. That's honest. And to be really honest, I know my relationship with God has been affected from the use of my smartphone or technology. And I know that I could be a lot further along with God in my relationship with him if I wasn't just so distracted all the time by technology. See, the struggle's real, friends. The addiction to technology is real. And I heard two pastors talking about this the other day on a podcast. Thank, you know, technology has some benefits. On a podcast called This Cultural Moment by John Mark Homer or Mark Sayers. I highly recommend it. And they were saying this, how in history, the three things that have taken people out of the relationship with God were money, sex, and power, which is still a thing for sure. But today, I think, and what they were saying was that, the, again, the biggest threat to your relationship with God, the thing that takes people out the most drastically today is distraction is having our attention somewhere else. Distraction is one of the greatest forces that is dividing us from the presence of God today, friends. More than ever, and if you want to admit it or not, whatever, it's, it, it is affecting every single part of your life. I almost could guarantee it. Because it, it is mine. Again, how many times I've been reading my Bible, then the vibration of the phone or a notification pops up, and all of a sudden I get ripped away from what God is about to do or what God is already doing in that moment. Happens all the time. So we got to talk about this. 
as millennials and Gen Zs and the people of the future, we got to talk about this issue. Because the devil is smart. And he's using these methods to draw people away from God, to draw our attention, our affection, our affirmation away from God, away from community, away from deep-rooted meaning, purpose, and calling. I, heard, I saw a funny meme. It, was, it, was, it said this. When I was a teenager, I used to sneak out of my house to go to parties. And now I'm an adult, and I go to parties, and I sneak out of parties to go to my house and be by myself on my phone. Like, like it, this is so real. The devil is using, using Technology to lure people away, drawing them into an unquenchable thirst for relevance, popularity, materialism, and intellect. And that, in the end, my friends, will only end in disappointment and discouragement. Because the things that we wanted the most, and if you're really honest, this is probably what you'd say out of maybe out of your resolve, or maybe out of the right answer, or maybe it's deep inside your heart. The things that you want most are deep connection to God and people, community, peace, joy, contentment, calmness, but we're distracted away from those things by our addiction to technology. So what do we do? Do we just eliminate tech altogether because it's dividing our life from important things? I mean, I mean, I mean, how, how, how do we overcome the obstacles that are put in our way to be with God? Do we destroy all technology, become like Amish people who live without it? The answer is yes. All right, we're going to get head, head coverings and, and overalls and, and all the good stuff. And we're going Amish here, all right? There's a new dress code coming in at Tila. I'm, I'm kidding. We're a little too deep in the culture for that. But I truly have a high, high, high respect for my, our Amish brothers and sisters in Christ because they have eliminated some of those distractions. Man, what do we do? Man, we gotta come up with some sort of solution to navigate the culture we live in. So what's the solution? What is it? I mean, I mean part of me says, yeah, like let's, let's follow what the Amish are doing. Let's, let's get rid of all, all you know, smartphones. Let's get dumb phones. Let's, let's, like, let's, let's, let's get rid of our TVs. Let's, 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 let's you know, like only listen to the Bible on tape and worship music and just have like a, well, I don't know, what is it, Pure Flix? You know, like let's just have a Pure Flix subscription. No more Netflix. Like, like a part of me says life would be much simpler if we did that. And I heard this stat the other day that, uh, that if you quit social media, that your happiness level will increase by 40% within five days. That's just a stat. I don't know if it's true or not. Most stats are made up on the spot. I did hear that. But the part of me says, man, it might, we might have to get a little bit radical and, and just say, let's get rid of it. But again, we're pretty deep into culture right now. Technology is not going away. So then, then most of us say, well, I'm going to leverage it. Like, because there are many incredible benefits, James, like FaceTime your friend across the world to connect. Like, I dated long distance, and FaceTime was very valuable. It was amazing. I definitely love technology. Like, like, like some people in here are like, man, I want to Google reviews and, and see people trash talk on the internet about products so that I can avoid bad products, so that I can purchase the best products. Like, th that's a good benefit, James. Like, I'm going to leverage it. I'm going to make it something that's beneficial to me. Like, like, man, I can learn anything on YouTube, bro. Like, I could YouTube any how-to instructor manual. Man, I could be an astrophysicist in a week from YouTube. I'm kidding. You probably couldn't. Man, there are benefits. Like, here's another one, Siri and reminders. Wow, that has helped my life out. Yes, there's benefits that we can leverage, 
and we should. But in justifying all the technology use that we partake in, saying we are leveraging it, at the end of the day, it probably won't really add up to being beneficial to you. More than likely, technology will end up leveraging you. Here's, I mean, here's some scary, there's some scary stuff. Like, have you guys seen Snowden? Like, that stuff is scary. You guys know what Snowden is? No? Has nobody seen Snowden in here? That'll mess you up, man. The government's watching. Um, but here's, you know, have you ever had this happen where you start talking about something and all of a sudden you have an ad on your Instagram page? Or you, you don't even talk about it. You write in a text message, a personal text message to someone, then all of a sudden you start seeing, seeing the algorithms. Most likely, technology will end up leveraging you by selling your information to companies that want to put algorithms in front of you and give you an identity and make some money off of you. So we can't just say, oh yeah, we're only going to use technology to our benefit because there's a cost to it. There is. But then the other part of me, I don't know what the solution is. This is just such a massive issue. It's complicated. So where do we look? Where do we find the solution? Well, where I find all answers to life's problems. God's word, the text we're reading. Open it back up or put it back up on the screen. There are three things I believe that Paul would instruct us today when it comes to avoiding anything that creates division, obstacles, Opportunity to be smooth-talked, flattered, or deceived into something ungodly. And obviously, we're talking about technology mostly today, but this will apply to your life with other people. Because if we don't talk about this again, what is most likely to happen is we're going to get tripped up by money, sex, power, false teaching, gossip, etc., etc., etc. And these are the three things that the Apostle Paul says in his final warning to the Romans. He says, number one, watch out. You'll see it up there. Number two, keep away. Number three, be wise about what is evil and be innocent. Sorry, be wise about what is good and be innocent of what is evil. So the first, watch out. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out. I made the statement earlier that if you, if you, that, that you are being formed, whether you know it or not, by technology. Were you aware of that? How many people were aware of that in this room? Okay, a few of us. A few of us were aware of that. And maybe some of you are still like, man, it doesn't affect me. Okay, we'll see in 20 years. Were you aware of that? Did you know? Were you watching out for that reality? Were you being cautious with it? Or were you unaware? Or maybe you didn't even care. Oh, shoot, that rhyme. What's up? Somebody dropped me a beat. But for real, my guess is you... You maybe were aware, some of you weren't aware, but you probably heard these stats, that researchers have tracked the trend of depression levels spiking as soon as the iPhone came out, and only increasing as smartphone usage increased. You probably heard that stat. You probably heard this stat that 71% of teenagers who spend more than five hours a day on media have considered suicide. Man, I could read hundreds of stats about the effects of technology, but were you aware? I'm sure you were, but did you watch out? Did you watch out? Friends, man, we have to watch out for things that will divide us from God. What happens if a car is coming and friends in the street, you're like, hey, watch out. Man, we got to help people say, hey, watch out to what you are being formed by. 
Watch out. And we can't go on thinking that these kind of things, these things that divide us don't harm us anymore. We can't just think they're harmless. We can't ignore the aftermath of wasting away our lives on things that divide us from God. We must watch out. Eyes open. Watch out to the things that are shifting your mood. Watch out to the things that are affecting your day. Watch out. Second thing, if you're watching out and you see something that actually does divide you from the Father, you from healthy community, you from being made a disciple to Jesus, keep away. Keep away from it. Man, if you know that there's something or someone that is negatively affecting you as a person or your relationship with God or your connection to the people in front of you, man, keep away from it. I don't know why, and I, I, I'm the first person to admit again, sometimes I just entertain things that I just, I just know aren't helping me. For, a lo- for, for way too long, oftentimes, I find it in friends, I find it in my community, I find it in myself, that we somehow we just entertain and we tolerate things that are harming us. It doesn't make sense. And Paul say, yo! If there's something that is dividing or putting an obstacle in your way from the teaching that you have learned, from the experience that you've had with God or are going to have, man, keep away from it. Plain and simple. I was reading Matthew 5 the other day, and it was about how Jesus was saying, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. There will be a bunch of dudes with just numbs in this place, man. Like, man, there will be, there will be issues. Man, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. This is what Jesus is saying. Pretty harsh teaching. Man, he's like, something is causing you to stumble. Do something radical. Man, if your iPhone or laptop causes you to stumble, get rid of it. If that Netflix subscription causes you to sin, eliminate the subscription. Save yourself $16.99, which, man, I'm not happy about the prices going up. It was like $10, bucks, and now it's like $11 or $12. Now $16.99. I'm like, geez. Inflation. Man, if Instagram causes you to sin, delete the app. I know too many guys struggling with porn that that's the hook. Scrolling the search feed. I know too many girls struggling with porn that it's the exact same thing. Delete the app. Keep away from it. Simple as that. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, it'd be better for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven without a hand or without an eye than to be thrown into hell with both of them. Some harsh words. Jesus, I thought you were nice and all about grace. Well, See, I think one of the issues that we've had in our society and in the church is we've lost the art of getting radical. We have lost the art of just saying, enough! I'm done struggling with this thing. And we've embraced the art of compromise and tolerance. Things that are eating away your soul, my soul, and I've embraced them. And I just think it's time for the church to say enough. 
Because if your phone or something causes you to disconnect from God, man, then just put it on the other side of the house and connect with God. Man, if a TV causes you to get tired after a work and, and it just causes you to be to come lethargic and you don't want to read your Bible or get into the presence of God, man, chuck your TV. Get rid of it. And this is a big one because TV was kind of the start of technology that started distracting people, that drew people away from God. And, and, and there's this book by Robert Putnam. In his book, Bowling Alone, he makes note of the shift in the architectural development of homes, that homes back in the day, they used to be built with a front porch, that that would become your like a central gathering point and you're into the community, into your neighborhood. I'm trying to look for a new house. I want a front porch so badly. What has happened is that in the architectural, bleh, architect, bleh, in our architect, Architectural development today, what has happened is that they've shifted from front porches to back living rooms where they put a TV. And now instead of the table, we gather around a TV and it's a big problem. Albert Borgman, he's an American philosopher on technology. In his book, Living in a Focus, said the most important decision you will ever make in your life will be whether you have a TV in your house or not. Now, obviously, we don't believe that the most important decision is whether you're going to serve Jesus with your life or not. But he was just saying this about technology. And the second he said this, the second most most important decision is what room you will choose to have it in. And he says again, he says and affirms it as well, that we've gone from being a community that gathers around a table, that gathers around conversation, that gathers around intimacy with each other, and we've then shifted it towards the back TV room. And I know I have a problem with this. Ask my wife. I have an obsession with crushing some nachos while watching a TV show. It's my happy place. It's a problem. I know it. You weren't laughing. It's, it's serious. It's a problem. <laughs> It's a problem. But we got to realize that this shift has happened from not community, friendship, family, relationships to individualistic. Me, 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 me. My preferences, my wants, my desires. We got to realize it. And what has been the, lead, the leading factor to that is technology. So we got to, we got to, we got to watch out and we got to keep away from things that are destroying our lives. We got to say enough. And I'm super thankful for my wife, Karina, man. She's on this train. Whenever I turn the TV around on Kenny, around with Kenny in the room, she's like, hey, she, I just see this. I'm like looking at the TV and I can just feel this look at, <laughs> out of the corner of my eye. She's like, hey, it's family time, man. Come on. What are you doing? And I'm super grateful for that, babe, honestly even though I feel condemned sometimes. I'm just kidding, but um, I'm, I'm super grateful for it because I know, I know that the, I know that the things that I, I put myself in front of and how much time I spend on them destroy my insides. The, the shows I watch, you're like, bro, what shows are you watching, man? What are you watching, like Game of Thrones or something like that? No, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but it's not bad TV. But it's because other than the TV show, This Is Us, no television show has actually added to the well-being of my life. Not one. Not one. Because what it's done is just drew me away from time I could have been with God, could have been with family, could have been with friends. And am I, am, am I saying TV's, TV's an evil thing? No. But we just, again, check the reality that we don't even have this thing called family movie night anymore. It's just go off to your room and watch whatever you want on your own tablet. We gotta be honest. So if there's something that is destroying you, keep away from it, watch out for it, identify it, then keep away from it. And again, in this message, man, I'm hesitant to share these things with you because, man, I struggle with this stuff. 
in a real, real way. But I believe that the church can demonstrate a new way, a way that isn't distracted, that isn't in a hurry, that isn't in a rush. Thirdly, Paul says, to be wise of what is good and innocent of what is evil. Simple. As a Christian, as a person who claims to follow Christ, he just encourages us and he says, man, things that are evil, be innocent of them. Things that are good, be wise with them. And as the band comes back up, I have a request to do Romans 16, 19. I'm just kidding. But lastly, in doing these three things, here, here's what the result will be. If we can eliminate the things that are dividing us from the presence of God, from relationship, from deep intentional community, or at least if we can be more wise, because again, technology or media or whatever, it's not evil, but be wise with, it's, it's a good thing, but be wise with it. And put your cell phone on silent, whoever that is, I'm just kidding. Think, is that Jesus calling? Come on, Sage. <laughs> yeah, he's shooting us a text. Thank you, Jesus. But here's what will happen. When we eliminate those things, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath his feet? No, your feet, our feet. And this is so important because if we can eliminate distraction, what we'll actually be able to do is focus. And here's what I believe. I believe that the revival that is coming to Canada, that is coming to Calgary, is going to be one of focus. It's going to be marked by a season of focus on God. That above all things, he is there at the top. When we eliminate the distractions, when we eliminate the things that are drawing us away from God, then, then what we can have is that we can actually make him priority number one. We can focus on him. That, that more than anything, we, we will put God at the top, at the center. We'll put our phones, our TVs away, and we'll actually get hungry for him. The revival that is going to come, the way it is going to be ushered in is by us eliminating distractions and focusing on the Father. Do you recognize your need to hunger and thirst for God tonight? Do you recognize how the devil is in his schemes have distracted you sometimes from being present with God and with people? Do you recognize the need for, for hunger? Are you just, or are you just, just numbed by the sensory overload that technology brings? Are you too distracted by the clouds, the stormy clouds that you can't see the rainbow, what God is actually doing in this time and in this season? Where are you at tonight? Are you caught up in his presence? Is he the only thing you want? 
Is he your main focus, adoration and affirmation? Where are we at tonight? This next season that we're going into, the summer season, a little preview, what we're gonna do is the series season is gonna be called That Jesus Stuff. Slogans, signs will follow those who believe. Says that in the word, that signs will follow those who believe. And I looked at my life and I'm like, I don't know if I'm seeing those kind of signs, Jesus. Jesus said you would do greater things than he did. I don't know if I've seen that quite yet, but I'm believing for it. How's it gonna come? Eliminating distraction, hurry, busyness. Eliminating the things that pull us away from God and focusing on the Father, on, on seeking first the kingdom, on praying that your will be done, God, not my own, but your will be done. Man, I am believing and I've been believing for six years that revival is going to come again to Calgary, but we got to put away the distractions. We gotta get caught up in his presence. And this is what God has been speaking to you the most about lately. It's because if you're a pastor at a church, you definitely can resonate with this, that oftentimes we can get caught up in doing things for God, not doing things with God. Oftentimes, like what Cody said, I so appreciated his word, that God can, we can invite God to color a book with us, but then all of a sudden we're, I've already done it the way that we want to, the colors that we want. And he's kind of sitting there like, ha, 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 ha. I'm a way better color than you. I can help you. I can train you, but you just, you didn't allow me. God's been convicting me so much about Martha and Mary. North American society praises Martha. We honor the people that work hard. We celebrate the people that have the meal ready. We, 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 we lift them up. We promote them, the people that get stuff done. Our society honors that, but what did Jesus do in that story? He said, Martha, Martha, I read it this morning in John, Mary has done, has chosen the right thing to be at my feet. And Jesus loved Martha, he did. He loved, later in John it says, Martha the one whom he loved, he loved Martha. But our society is so caught up in doing things for God, but not being with God. And I believe and I'm praying that God would make a shift here first at Tehillah, in our community, first in my life. More than anything, I want intimacy with Jesus. It's probably what you want too. You want to know him. One experience is love, his power, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his faithfulness, his forgiveness. More than anything, I know that's probably what you want. So my question is, is are we going to get radical tonight? What are we willing to lay down? Not evil things, but just good things. Good thing, good is the enemy of great. I know that my issue is I settle for good. I'm like a 60s, 70s kind of guy. I'm not your 90s, like, like A-plus kind of guy. I'm like, 60%? I pass. Let's go. Let's get it. I'm cool with that. It's kind of clean. That's fine by me, man. I don't get caught up on the, you know, the nuts and bolts of life. Like, I, I, I know that I can settle for just good. I know that's my problem, but I'm tired of that, and I want to go for greatness. 
I want to go for what God has for me. And I remember when I was a teenager and I was settling big time for, for, for just mediocrity. Pastor Steve Osmond, who was the pastor of this church at Dila in previous season, he called me out of the crowd. And what his sermon was, was that the, 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 the Babylonians or whoever it was, the Israelites, they were settling for bronze things, bronze like armor, bronze whatever, and not going for gold. And he's like, James, you're settling. Stop going for what is third place. Go for what's the best thing for you. And the worst part about that is it's work. It's hard. It's not easy. But this is what Paul says, and you can put it back up on the screen. I just want to read it because it's so powerful. See, he says this. He says this. I'm going to find it. I can just flip up my Bible. Do that. It's way easier. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. How are we going to learn how to focus? How are we going to learn how to eliminate distraction and hurry from our lives? Only by the empowering grace of God. Not by your own willpower. Not by your own self-discipline, although we need some of that. Yeah, but it is going to be the grace of God that empowers you to be disciplined. To be intentional. To eliminate distraction. Eliminate hurry. So what we're going to do right now is... I saw this graphic on Instagram, funny enough, ironic. <laughs> and what I want us to do, and we're going to worship it a bit, because I feel like, man, we could get caught up in God's presence a bit more. We're going to go after it tonight. Get ready. But you can put that graphic up. I think we all have it. I don't know if anybody saw this, but it has the question at the bottom. Everything is life about priorities. Where do you want to be 10 years from now? What I want us to do is the band just plays softly. What I want us to do is take a few minutes of reflection. And I want us to ask ourselves, and maybe journal, maybe write down, man, where do I want to be with God? Do I want to be just average? Or do I want to be in the presence? Do I want to be caught up in it? Do I want to be walking as an anointing and power? Just go ahead and think about that. If you've got to close your eyes, but let's just, let's just be honest. So you can just read that, and then Daniel will lead us in a song.